Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati, eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 11a, De Bello Gallico, Book 5, Chapters 26 and 27. In this episode, you will learn that sudden uprisings are sudden, and that Ambiorix's attack was just a big misunderstanding and totally not his fault. A quick note about the passage before we start the Latin. The majority of the text for this episode takes the form of a long oration written almost entirely in indirect statement, punctuated by multiple subjunctive clauses. This is one of the more difficult Caesar selections in the AP syllabus lines. As such, I encourage you to take extra time to closely read Ambiorix's speech and make sure that you fully understand what he is saying and how he says it. Now on to the Latin. Diebus circiter quindecim quibus in hiberna ventum est, initium repentini tumultus ac defectionis ortum est, ab ambiorige et catavolco, qui cum ad fines regni sui sabino cataeque praesto fuissent, frumentumque in hiberna comporta wissent, indutio mari treweri nuntiis impulsi, suos concitaverunt subitoque oppressis lignatoribus magna manu ad castra opugnatum venerunt. Cum celeriter nostri arma cepissent, valumque ascendissent, atque una ex parte hispanis equitibus emissis, equestri proilio superiores fuissent. Desperata re hostes suos ab apugnatione reduxerunt. Tum suomore conclamaverunt, uti aliqui ex nostris ad colloquium prodiret. Habera sese quae de re communi dicere velent. Quibus rebus controversias minui posse sperarent. Mititur ad eos colloquendi causa Gaius Arpeneus, eques Romanus, familiaris quinti tituri, et quintus junius ex Hispania quidam, qui iam ante misu caesaris ad ambiorigem ventitare consuerat. Apud quos ambiorix ad hunc modum locutus est. Sese pro Caesaris in se beneficiis plurimum ei confiteri debera, quod eos operas dependio liberatus esset, quod adoatucis finitimis suis pendere consueset, quodque ei et filius et fratris filius ab Caesare remissi essent, quos adoatuci obsidium numero missus apud se in servitute et catenis tenuissent, neque idquod fecerit de opugnatione castrorum, Aut judicio aut voluntate sua fecisse, sed coactu civitatis. Suaque esse eos modi imperia, ut non minus haberet juris in se multitudo quam ipse in multitudinem. Civitati poro hanc fuisse belli causam, quod repentinae galorum coniurationi resistera non potuerit. Id se facile ex humilitate sua probare posse, Quod non adeo sit imperitus rerum, ut suis copiis populum romanum superare posse confidat. Sed esse Galliae commune concilium, omnibus hibernis Caesaris opugnandis, hunc esse dictum dium, 
Nequa legio alterae legioni subsidio venire posset. Non facile gallos galis negare potuisse. Tricertum cum de recuperanda communi libertate concilium initium videretur. Quibus quoniam propietate satisfacerit, habera nunc se rationem officii pro beneficiis caesaris. Monera, orare, titurium prohospitio, ut suae ac militum saluti consulat. Magnam manum germanorum conductum renum transisse, hanc ad fore biduo. Ipsorum esse concilium, velintne priusquam finitimi sentiant, eductos ex hibernis milites aut ad ciceronum aut ad labienum deducera. Quorum alter milia passuum circiter quinquaginta, alter paulo amplius abeis absit. Illudse policeri et iure iurando confirmare tutum iter perfines daturum. Quod cum faciat et civitate sese consulera, quod hibernis levetur, et Caesari pro eos meritis gratiam refera. Hac oratione habita discedit ambiorix. Within about fifteen days from which it was arrived into winter camps, the beginning of a sudden uprising and revolt arose from Ambiorix and Catavolcus, who, although they had been at the service of Sabinus and Cata near the borders of their kingdom and had brought grain into the winter camp, influenced by the messages of Indutiomarus the Treveran, they stirred up their own men and suddenly, after the wood collectors had been attacked, they came with a large band of men to attack the camp. When our men had quickly seized their weapons and had ascended the rampart, and after Spanish cavalry had been sent out from one side, they had been superior in a cavalry battle. The enemy, after they had lost hope in the matter, withdrew their men from the attack. Then, by their custom, they shouted in order that some of our men would go out for a conversation, that they had things that they wanted to say about a common matter, by which things they were hoping that the controversy would be able to be lessened. Gaius Arpineus, a Roman equestrian, friend to Quintus Titurius, is sent to them for the sake of conversing, and a certain Quintus Unius from Spain, who already before by Caesar's sending, had been accustomed to frequently go to Ambiorix, with whom Ambiorix spoke in this way, that he confessed that for Caesar's kindness towards himself he owed very much to him, because by his work he himself had been freed from the tribute which he had been accustomed to pay to the Aduatuci, his neighbors and because both his son and his brother's son had been sent back to him by Caesar, whom, having been sent in the number of hostages, the Atoatuki had held among themselves in servitude and chains. Nor had he done the thing which he did concerning the attack of the camps by either his own judgment or will, but by the compulsion of the tribe, and that his authorities were of this kind, that the multitude had no less of legal authority over himself than he himself had over the multitude, that furthermore, for the tribe this had been the cause of war, that he was not able to resist a sudden conspiracy of the Gauls, that he was able to easily prove this by his own insignificance, because he is not so unskilled of things that he has confidence that the Roman people would be able to be conquered by his own forces, but that it is a common plan of Gaul, that this day was declared for attacking all of Caesar's winter camps, so that in no way would a legion be able to come to the aid of another legion that it was not easy for Gauls to refuse Gauls, especially when the plan entered into seemed about recovering common freedom, since by which he has given satisfaction to his pietas, that he now has reason of responsibility on behalf of Caesar's kindness, that he warns, he begs Titurius on behalf of hospitality, that he consider his own and his soldiers' safety, that a large band of hired Germans had crossed the Rhine, that this band would be here in two days, 
that it was their own decision whether they would want, before their neighbors realized that soldiers had been led out of the winter camps, to lead them down either to Cicero or to Labienus, of whom one is about fifty miles away from them, the other a little further, that he promises this and confirms by the swearing of an oath that he will grant a safe journey through his borders, which when he does this, that he is looking out for both the tribe, because it will be released from winter camps, and that he is returning thanks to Caesar for his service. After this oration was held, Ambiorix departed. Where we last left Caesar, he had made sure that everyone was safe and sound in their winter camps before starting his journey south for the province, and he would have still been traveling when Ambiorix's revolt broke out. When describing the uprising, Caesar emphasizes the treachery of Ambiorix and Catavolcus by mentioning that they had just finished helping the Romans by supplying their camp with grain. He also heightens the unexpected nature of the attack by using two different words for sudden, repentini, and subito, and mentioning more than once, both before and during the speech, that it was a sudden attack. The Roman soldiers react quickly, though, and Caesar's description of the fight implies that the Gauls posed little to no threat, because he describes the entire attack within one sentence, and he makes the battle seem like a routine thing. The Romans got up, ate breakfast, grabbed their weapons, climbed the rampart, sent out the cavalry, beat the Gauls, played cards. It was a regular Thursday. And once the Gauls lose hope of winning the fight, they retreat and ask to talk. With the statement, Suo More, Caesar gives an off-handed insult to the military power and strategy of the Gauls. He implies that it is their regular custom to launch surprise ambushes, then, when they lose anyway, to suddenly want to negotiate for peace. And if you think back to a lot of what we have read so far, this, or its opposite, asking for peace terms and then breaking them as soon as the opportunity arises, is what the Gauls seem to do a lot of. You can almost picture Caesar sighing as he reads reports of this after the fact and thinking, oh now you want to talk, after we kicked your butts, again. And so Sabinus and Cotta, the legates in charge of the winter camp, send a couple messengers to parlay with Ambiorix. One, a friend of Sabinus, and the other, someone with experience conversing with Ambiorix. Here is where Ambiorix launches into his speech, which Caesar reports indirectly. The lengthy indirect statement is part of Caesar's style, which he almost always uses when relating speeches, even from himself, within his commentaries. The way Caesar writes Ambiorix's speech follows the structure and model of a formal Roman oration. Speeches within Roman oratory essentially contained four main parts. The exordium, the beginning of the speech, which uses appeals to credibility or common ground to gain the sympathy of the audience. The narratio, the statement of what happened and the general nature of the situation. The argumentatio, the central argumentation or main point of the speech, using appeals to reason and logic. And the peroratio, the conclusion, in which the speaker refreshes the memory of the listeners and makes appeals to emotion. If we look at Ambiorix's speech, his exordium establishes common ground and credibility with the Romans by emphasizing the kindnesses Caesar has done for him personally and professionally. His narratio explains the situation and how he was compelled by the multitude to go along with the sudden conspiracy. His argumentatio attempts to prove that since he is too smart to think that he alone could beat the Romans, the plan wasn't his, but was a common plan of the Gauls to attack all the camps, which he couldn't say no to and his peroratio appeals to emotion, especially fear, going so far as to beg Sabinus to think about the safety of his men because of the Germans, before offering his oath of safe passage and recapping how the deal will be beneficial to both parties. Wrapping all this up, Caesar calls the speech an oration, saying, oratione habita, rather than some other way to express that Ambiorx was done talking, 
like Heeswerbis or Hyktikta or Cyclocutus. So does this mean that Ambiorix was a classically trained Roman orator? Most likely not. Instead, we need to understand that Caesar is writing this speech for Ambiorix as Ambiorix, rather than recording what may or may not have actually been said. Remember that Caesar was not there, and there were only two people who heard the speech directly, and they aren't going to survive the winter. But by crafting the speech in this way, Caesar is accomplishing several things with the passage. Number one, he is engaging in the common practice from Roman history and biography of writing speeches into the mouths of characters. Number two, he is trying to get across to his audience just how persuasive Ambiorix was, and the best way to do this is to craft a persuasive speech in a familiar style to the Romans. Number three, he is flexing his own oratory muscles a bit. Recall from the last episode that Cicero had published a book on oratory the same year as the events recorded here. So it is not unreasonable to claim that Caesar may have been influenced by Cicero's book to include a bit of oratory inside his own commentary. To close out his speech, Ambiorix leaves the Roman representatives with an offer. You can leave now and join up with the other Roman camp, and I promise we will let you go free and that I'm totally not lying. There won't be any ambushes waiting on you when you leave your camp, and I'm not making all this up just to get you outside your walls so we can kill you all. Definitely not, I promise. And we'll see how that turns out for the Romans over the next couple episodes. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. How does Caesar imply that the Romans, despite being suddenly attacked by the Gauls, treated it as a routine threat and emerged superior? How is Caesar portrayed through Ambiorix's speech? What are we meant to think of Caesar, of Ambiorix? How does the idea that Caesar was writing the speech into Ambiorix's mouth rather than reporting the actual speech change your evaluation of the speech? How does your interpretation of Caesar through Ambiorix change? Ambiorix states that he was compelled by peer pressure to fight with the Gauls for freedom. How believable and convincing is this argument? Ambiorix claims that having fulfilled his responsibilities to his own people, he is now free to prove his loyalty to Caesar and repay his kindness. How believable and convincing is this argument? How does Ambiorix's speech follow the Roman oratory structure and model? What effect would crafting the speech in this way have had on Caesar's Roman audience? How does the structure and organization of Ambiorix's speech compare to that of Ilioneus to Queen Dido in the Aeneid? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete. <laughs>